0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey MTG. What is up, bro?
1: Bradley, I am just doing so damn good on this historic of occasion. Our 100th episode. We have to be doing something insanely <laughs> special for
0: it, right? Well, we both know it's 101, and we'll get into oh, that in a little bit. We we oh. we miscounted, but it, it's, very, it's a very BBP thing to do. We thought this was going to be our 100th episode. <laughs> And we we're gonna do something special, but it's in fact our hundred and first, so we're not. Yeah, uh, because I mean,
1: who cares about the hundred and first, right? I mean, the hundredth yeah. is where it's at, but a hundred and first is only monumental if you, you know, I mean, there's own only, some Dalmatians. There's two, there's you two know?
0: important numbers in this world. There's the thirtieth birthday, yeah, and the hundredth episode, and uh, we uh, both passed both those milestones in our life, haven't we, Corey?
1: I think we have. Yes. Oh, sorry, Brad. Can you speak up? I'm 30 now. I can't really hear you as well anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> but just so everyone knows, you can find this podcast on popping iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher for anyone that wants to be following along to listen and, until we get to our 200th episode
1: and Bradley now with all of us above 30, you can actually find this in the geriatric ward at your local hospital
0: as well. So that's true. We are, we yeah. are rebranding this to three over 30. Um, yeah <laughs> but, but anyway uh this week uh we thought this was going to be a very historic episode because it was our 100th episode but in fact it's not but it's still going to be a historic episode because we're going to talk about the historic format uh yeah. a lot of moving and grooving has been happening plus uh this upcoming weekend the scg tour is historic so friday and saturday there'll be four satellites each of the historic for format followed by a Strix Haven Championship qualifier 5K that SCG will be holding on Sunday. Uh, so lots yeah. of historic action. Also, anyone that's qualified for the Call Time Championship will be testing uh, historic a lot, including me and our special guest. We'll get into that soon. Because yeah, because th-
1: that format I, I, sorry is to,
0: standard and historic. Let me sorry. Finish. Oh,
1: okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, that was it. I just needed to finish the sentence I was saying. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't have anything to say. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm really interested to see the SCG tour to historic because I'm I'm playing like the ladder right now and it's just the absolute wild, wild west. And I think that's the product of just the arena ladder. I'm really curious to see how the metagame is gonna evolve uh over the satellites when you know you have hundreds of players in each one of these events.
0: Well, and, that, and that's exactly what's going to be needed because we do have a special guest today. And we wanted mm-hmm. to bring in someone that would be so completely wrong it was embarrassing. Mm. But sadly, croakies wasn't available. So we had to get the next uh. best thing, uh, which we're welcoming Brian Brown Dune to the show. How's it going, BBD? You
2: know, it's going great. And I want to say that it is an honor and a privilege for you guys to have a true pioneer of a man on your podcast.
0: So uh. from the
2: bottom of my heart, Thank me for agreeing to be this week's special guest. Really, I'm honored that I dedicate my own time this way. So No,
1: Brian, wow. thank you. Thank you.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. No, you're welcome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was that was very white of you to uh congr- pat yourself on the back before you did anything.
2: <laughs> well, I have to because I'm about to become so hilariously wrong that it's embarrassing. Yeah. That uh... I have to. <laughs> I have to start out on at least a high note before it goes right into the ground. So that that adds up to me. Yeah.
0: Uh too too good. But yeah, no, thank you for being on the show, Brian. Um now you are in the Magic Pro League. I yes. I, I have that correct. Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> checks notes. And, and so Sunday, I believe Sunday, you have to submit a standard and historic deck yeah. for um yeah. So so how is your preparation for that tournament going? H h what is uh the letter
2: h H? preparation h uh it's not going well so Uh, (laughs) is dr unks helping you or would you you elaborate
0: (laughs) uh
2: i am being spread too thin trying to test for two formats i i don't know what else to say here uh So are you I, saying you I have not tested Brian? I haven't started testing yet. No. Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> that's wild. I've been testing for about a week now and I still feel really far behind.
2: Well let's see, right. Brian's got it right. Best, see? That's what I'm
0: we're the both. The best thing is, is at least standard is effectively solved. Is it? Yeah. It's not well, it's not like perfectly solved, but like there's the same decks and they all have slightly good and bad matchups with each other. Yeah. And and you just kind of have to like Pretty much, I think you just... You can't pick one of the two do- decks out of the top eight that are just the worst choices. And, yeah, and I, those? Oh, well, I can't tell you that. Uh, that okay. you have to discover on your own. No, it does well, seem like the but, deck but list but one for of them standard. starts with Ro and ends with Gz.
2: So... Uh, r- red... Robot Geysers? Yeah, let's see. It's...
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look, I think... Rodane uh i don't know what's the rodane yeah well you nailed it brian I you mean, nailed I'll, it. Just,
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll just i'll just say that i'm pretty sure rogues will not be the best but not be close to the worst choice so you got Our one fans. easily pegged just mm. tune that deck you're good there historic i don't know what the fuck you're gonna do you're probably gonna play cat without Uro. who knows smart what <laughs>
2: I don't know. Smart. Everyone's playing all these graph diggers cages and I don't like it.
0: Oh yeah. No, there's a lot, a lot of hate with, with that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, that's actually gonna be our topic before we get into it. I got a few uh, awesome tournaments that I want to promote coming up on MTG melee. Uh, the first is this Saturday, the energy series is back with a modern, uh, I believe 2k. Oh, and, hell yeah. Yeah. Modern is, you know, if you're into competitive modern, which is, you know, it's kind of a new format. Uh, even though it's kind of an old format, but it's kind of new again. Uh, check yeah. that out. They they run very good tournaments backed by a lot of experience. So give them a look. The link is in our show notes below. If you're listening to this on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or mm. any of the other platforms that like, I think we're on, like, I don't know what else we're on. Like Cookie mm. Podcast. I don't know anymore. I have our seven products. of our
1: grocery store. Yeah. A lot of different things.
0: Yeah, and then and then the second is Insight Esports third IQ will be this Saturday. It's a it is not only is Inside Esports in our casting crew, but they're also an up-and-coming esports org that are making waves in the magic community. Um, and one that I want to support because they are doing the things that you know everyone that wants to be competitive wants to exist. So mm-hmm. go take a look at their stuff. They even have which I think is kind of fucked up, um, a a a tournament that uh um when is this? This is on April third. It is a five k for fifteen dollar entry fee. Their last five k was yeah. twenty five dollars. This one is fifteen dollars.
1: Last one was thirty, but yep, yep, yep. Nailed no, it, it
0: wasn't. It wasn't thirty. Oh, was it twenty five? Yes, because it can't be 30, because that is against the codes of conduct that Wizards have provided us, Corey, Boom, <coughs> roasted.
1: <laughs> roasted. Okay, Ro- yeah, and the one thing I love the most about these Insight esports is, like, the only the highest competition level plays in these final tournaments. Like, I mean, it, it's honestly higher competition than that uh, MPL or, or the Rivals League, I believe they call it. Um, the Insight esports are only won by the most handsome um, players. Yeah, not in really. The game. Not really understanding
0: yeah. professional magic really is what I get from commentators of the professional circuit. So, thank you, Cory, for for being I completely thought, on brand. Hey, I, I was nice the one who th- was supposed <laughs> to
2: be hilarious, embarrassingly wrong on this episode. Cory, what are you
3: doing? Yeah. You're
1: taking my role as a
2: special guest, you're leaving you know, me with nothing.
1: Brian, I look up to your wrongness so much that I try thank to emulate you. it as much as I can. So, thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah, in May, in May they're going to have a exclusive 5K where only people that have qualified for it are invited. So the equity in that tournament is going to be kind of absurd to just play at home. And I'll be and, in it. And these IQs are pretty good value. In all honesty, they're ten dollar entry fee, and they're five rounds, uh, single elimination. And if you go five zero, you win one hundred fifty dollars and an invite. Do we know when so, the inv- when the tournament is for that you qualify? May twenty third. Yep, it's already up on the website. May twenty second. Oh, cool, cool, cool. May May twenty second. You're already enrolled because you did win that tournament. Um, so weird. Uh, but yeah, so this 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 IQ series, I think, is also just like pretty good bang for your buck, uh, in the sense that it's ten dollars, quick and easy, single elimination, and if you five zero or four one, you get prizes. So love it. The Bash Bros Podcast is probably sponsored by BCW Supplies.
1: BCW offers great products at an even
0: better price. From their Elite Two Sleeves to the deck DeckBot line, you're sure to get an amazing product.
1: I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled.
0: Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies, protect, store, display, slogans, marketing, magic wow um but yeah so that's it for that and now we can actually move into historic so Brian, uh again what 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 is your historic preparation been like
2: uh it's been some of the best preparation you've ever his, you've ever seen um <laughs> truly some historic work being done
0: great bold claims uh you know because of why why you're on the show what are the best decks in historic right now
2: Oh well clearly it's uh John's sacrifice is the best deck, and then you know, below that you got a combination of some other decks like Rule, uh you know, Zorius control, um stuff like that. I'm, there's, I'm there's gonna some... I'm
0: gonna stop you right there because Brian, you're just reading off the show notes.
1: What? <laughs> yeah, but Brian created the show notes. So I mean you know, that's he's reading
0: wrong. his own material. Nope. That that that's <laughs> Nope, show is... notes?
2: I didn't even know there were show notes. Where could I find them?
0: <laughs> that explains the first 99 episodes of the Bash Rose podcast.
2: <laughs> excuse me, the first 100 episodes. Sorry. No, the 100th that. episode, you nailed it. Yeah, thank you. The
1: oh, last God. episode, you <laughs> nailed it. <so.
0: laughs> oh, man. No, so so I, I have actually been testing a lot with Historic. um, Not a ton, but I've been keeping up with all the tournaments that are capping around on MTG Melee, keeping up with a lot of the people on social media and the streamers. And mm-hmm. seeing what what they're liking and disliking. And I have my own little curated list that I think is tier one. Now, this episode's gonna come out a day before the satellites. And as we know, uh the SCG tour, even before COVID times and even through COVID times and all the social distance and all the online play, they have still just been this trailblazer of new technology and new stuff. Um yeah. whenever like the, the initial tournaments when a format gets shaken up the Games is the place the world looks to find new tech. And a lot of the players on there have not been disappointed. There's been a lot of great innovation lately. So I'm just assuming that by Sunday, um, the landscape of Historic is going to be a little bit different than it is now. We're at least going to eliminate a few of the decks from being good choices. um, And we're going to start seeing the the tier one and two shape up, um, even if it's just like a piece of technology. Like there's a lot of new decks coming around, but maybe there's a piece they're missing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And it, it's pretty crazy to look, even when it comes to standard, maybe a couple of weeks ago, how much the metagame changes based from just that first Friday qualifier to the last one on Saturday. You know, you really you really see. A dynamic shift in percentages of decks being played a certain oh, deck that loses out on a lot of percentage points and then just becomes like non-existent towards the end you know people have that easy access of looking at the stats of the decks per tournament you know if i'm gonna play um you know soul tie i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna look at the first four satellites and i'm gonna look at the percentages the win percentage of that deck for each one and be like okay is it trending up is it trending down um it paints a picture of what people are going to try to attack and what people are going to try to play um so yeah it's it's going to really change uh historic's landscape by sunday night so i imagine sorry one last thing i imagine all the MPL and rivals players are going to have a severe focus on these qualifiers and you know a lot of these tournaments are going to be shared in the discords of the teams and you know that will for sure influence what you guys are going to play against
0: oh for sure i think a lot of like, this is the one time where I don't want to go off the deep end, but I could see myself registering something that I have to play test because I just threw it in Sunday night, you know? Yeah. Um, a high yeah, risk. Those are,
2: those are the worst, though, because then if you make a huge mistake doing that, you have to spend an entire week knowing that you're playing a horrible deck.
0: Oh, you're just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, me- I remember it when... It so
2: bad. Like, I-, yeah. I remember
0: for the grand finals, I didn't like the idea, but the whole team was really high on Jun and I'm like, okay, I'll fine, I'll play it, but I... I had to still test it. And mm-hmm. they they po then a bunch of people posted like what they're playing. And every single person, it was a 32-person tournament person just tournament, your everywhere? Yeah, everyone just had like <laughs> two main, two cyborg, your shard, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I realized that if our team didn't show up with Jund, only like one person would have shown up with fucking Jund. <laughs> like there would have yeah. been so many wasted shards in the tournament. But in fact, nope, six of us did, and we all got annihilated, except Seth, who went 6-0 or some shit.
2: Yeah, classic oh, Seth. Classic, classic Seth. Yeah, Seth only wins when his deck is it, like the Seth is like he'll balance his deck out. Like when Seth's deck's not great, his win percentage rises to you know like <laughs> offset it or something. I don't know how it works exactly, but <laughs> yeah.
1: But when his deck's overpowered, he just like is like, no, nah, my deck's gonna carry me, and then and then slouch well, he, <laughs> he, <a lot laughs> he
0: still his wins over... the tournaments. Th- oh, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah of course. He yeah, still yeah. wins a yeah. lot when his deck's overpowered too. But it's like he he's like immune to his deck being bad or something. I, don't I know. mean,
0: did he win yeah. that one GP with that really unplayable like Eldrazi Coco deck or Eldrazi Black, Displacer? White. It was like a combo deck, right?
2: Oh, the brood the brood. Yeah, like, well, some some six mana green creature, well colorless creature. Yeah, but... and it,
0: like you could flicker combo it.
2: <laughs> I don't think he won that GP though, did he?
0: Uh, uh, I think he, he did.
2: I don't know if he did. He did win a GP that season with black white, and that was impressive because that deck
0: wasn't good. For no, sure. he beat you in top eight, right? Uh no. Oh, no, he was just playing Coco. Okay, he's won a lot of GPs, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> no, I, I missed... I, I lost playing for top 8 of that, of that GP that he no, won. The, he beat me in top on
0: The 500-person the island GP on the resort. He
2: beat, yeah, he beat me in top 8 of that, and he was playing green-white in that one.
0: Which uh, green-white green was, was yeah. actually
2: a, a really good deck. It was a
0: deck. very good deck, yeah. But... Um. Okay, well anyway, so let's actually talk about about this format so just just a recap for anyone that hasn't touched historic yet and is is thinking about it for this weekend's scg tour um we have just seen call time come out that has shaken the format up by giving certain decks pathways also um what's the card called the um Dash Shadow? The, no that oh. we'll get to that skyclave uh aspirant is that what it is skyclave apparition yes yeah, skyclave apparition i think is also just a huge upgrade to the format To just mm-hmm. recently come out and then we had the ban of Uro, which has really shaken up the format since one of the top decks played Uro. Yep. Um, maybe the best deck. And then after that, uh, we just saw an anthologies come out, which gave the format a few toys. We don't know, like Blink Moth Nexus, uh, Thraven Inspector, and, and Death Shadow are the key ones. And we don't <laughs> know if, you know, Death Shadow is the one that has the most interest right now, but there's still, every single time artifact cards come out, people are going to try Tempered Steel builds and and stuff yeah. like that. And people are trying them I think they're bad. But, you know, I'm I'm not even I don't even have it prepared to talk about those. But um at the same time, a few new decks um thanks to some of the cards that came out in Call Time 2 um have been popping up like a, a an angel's deck that splashes for collected company because of the kind of overpowered um angel me, angel and cleric mechanics that have been recently coming out. Um mm. these cards are actually kind of gross. Just they the, really the, the amount of life you gain off of your effects and what those effects can do. Like, like, so for those that don't know what this deck does, it plays a lot of the new, um, like it plays soul warden. It plays the, the one, one that if you have 27 life, you can make a fourth tap and make a four four angel. And then mm-hmm. a lot of these other angels and spirits. Um, what, what is that one card? Something of wings. I should know these names. Um,
1: uh, Bishop of the wings.
0: Yeah. Bishop, Bishop of of Wings, that gains four life. Then you have Righteous Valkyrie, which can gain a bunch of life. And so sometimes you're cocoaing with this deck and you're hitting a Resplendent Angel in one of these effects, and you're gaining enough life to trigger the Angel, which gains enough, and you're at like 40 life. And and you just threw like three five fives into player bigger, and it's like, what the fuck just happened, (laughs) you know? Yeah,
1: it's pretty insane. So we've been playing Historic on Versus Live and Ross played this deck against, I just played a white weenie venerated Loxodon deck. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cool. Some some new cards got to play Thraven Inspector and, and whatnot. But Ross just goes on the play against me. Soul Warden into Bishop of Wings, into Righteous Valkyrie, into Resplendent Angel, make an angel. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do against that with my two ones and stuff? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, and that wasn't even the nut draw, you know? You could have cocoed on four and got Resplendent Angel and something else. So, yeah, this deck seems awesome to me. I would just be curious if it stood a chance in hell against a Muxus. you know?
0: Uh, I actually think it does, but we we'll, you, so? you know, yeah, we can get into that. I actually don't even have goblins on here, so maybe that's the talking point. Um, yeah. like, so goblins, goblins was big, but it's kind of fallen off the face of the map and I actually know, you know, I, it, it makes sense to me. I, I think the top three decks going into this weekend are going to be Azura's Control, Gruul and Jund, and I think that goblins has a bad matchup against all three of them. Um, hmm.
2: okay, okay. Dude,
0: you you agree with that, Brian. You played a bunch of Gruel, right?
2: Uh yeah, I think Gruul is I mean, it's it's very play draw dependent, but I I do think Gruel I felt very ahead against Goblins because I felt cool. like I was gonna win every game on the play, and I could still win a number of games. I like I felt like I was only a little bit behind on the draw. Um that was my takeaway, but I don't know if things have changed since then, because that was last time we played Historic, which was a while ago. But mm-hmm. um yeah, I, so, I definitely thought gruels ahead there. And I think so Jund has some good game there too. So
1: so my question would be: is uh totally get Jund and Gruul are gonna be played. They just seem great. One thing I was interested about with is control, now that the format has at least opened up a little bit on the ladder is that still a deck that you you guys like and would consider playing because the format seems more diverse now than it was for the last big historic tournament y'all played uh where brad barkley won you know
0: so i i do think i I do think it comes down to the Azurius grill matchup and how popular these two decks are because i i think Azurius is favored against jund but weak against gruel and i don't know where it's at with these other matchups but the truth is that azura's control got some new foretell cards and Mm -hmm. just has a pretty powerful curve um of you know just like it has Graph digger's cage and there's a lot of Coco decks it has it has now it has foretell um counter spells so you can actually have a hard counter up with your teferi you can you know find time to do something and then um, like you can foretell on two for tell on three, wrath on four, play to fair and have a counter spell.
1: and that um, the most important thing with that, too, is you can't be thought seized and then they play a meaningful threat into that board. and i I mean, I think that's like the biggest pull because seized is, you know, still pretty played, um uh, maybe uh, not everywhere, but definitely played,
0: but yeah, I, I don't know where Control controllers against some of these other matchups. It's not a deck that I like to play. It's not one that I'm going to tune, or I'm never going to take it to one of these called, you know, these championships. Just because mm-hmm. it's not my play style and um, it's not what I'm good at. I'm not good at tuning it. Like, it's just, yeah. it's, if, if maybe if I test it with Nassif and Nassif said, Brad, this is the best deck, learn how to play it. And I will because he tuned it. But, like, without that resource and without anyone that I test with ever thinking control is a good option, yeah. um, it's just not a smart choice for me to take to battle.
1: Oh, that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Um,
0: yeah, I don't think, I do I think I would it'll be play popular.
2: It yeah i i don't know i I just have a hard time wanting to play control in in super high level tournaments because people are so good at, at playing against control in those kinds of events mm-hmm. uh that I just you just lose so many percentage points by that alone um yeah. that's it's tough for me to want to play these kinds of decks but I do kind of miss playing a control deck that makes sense it's kind of i don't know
1: I'm nostalgic for Control too. Yeah, This has
2: been a while since I've I've actually played like a real Control deck in any kind of event. That I kind of miss it, but I I don't think I would play it.
1: Yeah, that seems like a trap to me because, I mean, I think it might be completely fine for the SCGs, but that feels like Azoria's Control is a deck that you do really well with on the ladder. And then when you play against, like you said, rivals and MPL players or just people that qualified for the Kel Time event, these are above average players for sure, um, you know, it's just a lot easier to walk around them. But, you know, the power level, if you get the metagame right for Azoria's Control, can be very good but man do you have to really play perfect and you have to really tune your deck for the expected metagame and you have to be right that's a lot of things that have to go right
0: i don't even know if you have to play perfect you have to build it well like i think playing control decks is easy it's just that like yeah. the tough decisions are really tough but most games i don't think have them yeah like like do do you just curve in like is your teferi gonna survive like are, did did you fade their like haste threat like things like that i don't know like i i definitely don't think it's that complicated um but i do think that it it has it's lots of really, matchups
2: it's really easy to play control when you're winning and really difficult to play control when you're losing i think
0: yeah yeah
2: that makes sense coming back from a spot where you're really far behind when i say behind i don't just mean like your opponent has a bunch of creatures and if you draw a wrath you'll win i mean like your opponent has a planeswalker and they have creatures and they have threat of haste creatures and they have threat of this you know like those kinds of boards where it's like you have to balance it's like well i can play this thing that'll answer their planeswalker but it leaves me dead to this or i do let you, them keep a planeswalker for a turn and i answer their creatures but it leaves me dead to their planeswalker finding more creatures or you know do you,
0: do, you, do you use your do you use your like spot removal plus counterspell this turn or your wrath right you know those yep. those tough decisions where there that's actually going to be like the pinpoint decision of yours in the entire game and how it's going to play out unless you get really lucky after making a mistake
2: or it's yeah. like do i use my Teferian tuck there, planeswalker and if they have another haste creature or a number cleave i'm dead or but if they don't that that gives me a chance to win or i could kill all their creatures and then make the tuck play the following turn but you know if they have these things then i don't advance my game i there's just, those those games are really tough for control but when you're like censor your thing absorb your thing kill your creature play to fairy like that's mm-hmm. those games are pretty like face rolly i think oh for yeah, sure I,
1: I think that's a deck that it people are gravitated towards it because when you win a game you feel so in control you you go like five or six turns where you just dominate and it just it feels good but then when you lose you lose so fast and badly that you just kind of shrug it off and i, I think that creates some dynamic to want to play those kind of decks um you know where other decks don't have that shell. Would, I
0: mean, would you guys tough. agree, or is that kind of I don't, I don't know. I think it's just people like it because they yeah. like it.
2: Yeah, yeah. people just... Uh, it's just different things. Like, I, as a Magic player, generally like game... I like being the one who dictates the, the pace of the game. And, the, and as a control mm-hmm. player, you're often the person who is kind of dict- gets to dictate the pace of the game. Like, you're... yeah. When you play an aggro deck, you're often times just playing your threats on curve and you're kind of at the mercy of what your opponent does and most you know for the good aggro decks or whatever most of the time your opponent can't really do anything and that's why those decks are so good but yeah. your opponent is still often the person who's dictating that the pace of that game so there's what? enjoyment in being the person who who has the like the over the top element like I I I also like being that player it's just so hard to be a control player these days cuz it's not good generally so
1: one thing i was always wondering and maybe it's just too bad but why don't these azorius control decks ever turn into just like gross spiral nissa crisis uh decks to to be able to actually pressure an uh, an opponent like are those cards just bad like nissa seems like it completely went away with uro but it's such a powerful card well you know it it still it seems kind of crazy to me
0: well it's because what what you pair your Nissa with is completely different than what you pair your Teferi with. Yeah. Um. Like you said, you you pair Nissa with Crasis, <laughs> and and you then you would also pair Nissa with a ton of two mana spot removal. But spot removal isn't that good in this format because all the decks are pretty lean have a, have a decent amount of card advantage built into them. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, just one for one in a deck doesn't really work. Um, yeah. And and so that's what Uro helped with. Uro gave you this card advantage, gave you this engine. And, and it really, you know, brought the room together. There are people that are playing Bant Control that are just, they're effectively just playing green for Growth Spiral, maybe another card in the main deck, and then cyborg cards like Yasharn and yeah. and maybe some other hate. So so I have seen some Bant Control decks coming around just like Azurius, but mostly yeah. it's just for Growth Spiral and maybe an Explore.
1: Yeah, I played that on Versus yesterday as well, and it did, just did not seem good enough to me, but
2: yeah what what brad said is 100 percent true like when you build a when you're when your top end is nissa you're building your deck to go over the top of people um you know with the crisises the big the massive effects like that mm-hmm. and when your top end is teferi you're building your deck to play a an effective early interaction game and then be like the goal is to be able to play it's a Teferi and on and then next turn you still have to ferry and play yeah yeah whereas with a nissa deck it's not like you know it's more about leveraging nissa to then play huge effects and it's it's two kind of different game styles and it just really depends on what the format looks like to s- whether one is viable or not so i mean yeah.
0: i was ar- i was already finding nissa to be getting worse and worse as this format progressed and mm-hmm. and decks got more fine-tuned um The point where I didn't even want to play it the last time, you know, yeah, and and wanted to play Junda instead, and you know, it didn't do well. It is funny that Uro's gone, which it should be, but after like one of the most embarrassing weekends for the deck,
1: um, yeah, people are finally uh, figuring out how to beat it,
0: yeah. I mean, and 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 then other things would have happened and it would have been better again, but it pretty much just pushed all of its bad matchups out, and um, that's actually where we're going to start today because. You know, Jund is probably going to be one of the best decks, and a lot of people are still playing Coco, but like food's also a possibility. I don't know how good mm. it would be, but the the Jund food decks were just atrocious against soltai That yeah, because they
1: dirtled too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, that might be the dirtling might, you know, be bad against Gruel as well. But like that is one place that I haven't seen anyone exploring that like could be something worth yeah. looking into. Um because, yeah, Jun doesn't just have to be this Coco build that's almost completely modernized. I actually wrote an article about Coco for Star City Games that comes out th- this day, and I have two builds of company that I play with, one that has Gilded Goose and one that doesn't. Okay. And they're both just, they're two cards different besides the mana, and they're the same cards everyone else plays. Like, do you play, you know, in what the non gilded Goose version is like, do you play one Scrap Eat or two Scrap and then three uh midnight reapers are four because there's not much you can do with it it's a company deck Mm -hmm. um the mana has gotten way more interesting because of the pathways now you don't have to play um dragon skull summit which really sucked in jund yeah it did Um, and
1: god it even sucks in uh ractos arcanist you know with all the pathways and stuff like it's kind of weird that that you know is kind of the worst ractos land now when realistically it's pretty good but yeah it's just not a not what it used to be
0: Especially, yeah. Especially with these decks moving over to Death Shadow, so they want to play all of these uh, double face lands.
2: Yeah, you know, if exactly. everyone's playing these like various creature decks, um, and you wanted to go a food route of Jund. Like Wicked Wolf seems pretty strong. Wicked Wolf does seem
1: pretty decent.
0: Oh, I haven't you know, even like, thought of. I didn't even consider that card playable in this format. I'm not saying you're wrong. I it just, just, I mean, just it seems, have not. It,
2: it seems so good against Gruul. Like if that's what you're trying to do, you know, like against these various Angel-y Coco decks and so forth. I don't know. I mean...
3: It might, I mean, it might, probably it worse might be worse than Coco.
2: It's probably worse than just playing Coco, but I'm saying if that's the... If, if you're putting um Trail of Crumbs in your deck and stuff like that, your Coco's are getting worse and that could be a card that you would replace that with.
0: Oh, yeah. No, these builds don't play uh company at all. Um, they just play, like, you know, a bunch of Corvolds. Some used to play Chandra. I could see Wicked Wolf being better than Chandra in an aggressive element, metagame hmm. but i don't i don't think like against these angel decks you're gonna need something more than wicked wolf like you just have to play once or twice against this deck to realize that if they ever cocoa and hit like one for wanting one them is just doesn't really work you have to like create a more powerful engine than they have wait a um, minute so yeah. are you, are you what, i don't even think
2: <laughs> but isn't that like <laughs> that's like the mayhem devil <laughs> stuff that does that right like are you yep, mansplaining kind of
1: really. collected company to Brian Bronduin, the world champion of, of collected company?
0: <laughs> no, but like what I'm saying is they don't just hit two creatures and then they can be dealt <laughs> the next turn. I'm saying they can hit two creatures and then all of a sudden they have two five fives and a four six because of uh, right. the they, the Valkyrie's other ability of giving everything plus two plus two. And like mm-hmm. your your machine, you know, machine gun Kelly is getting pretty popular, but it ain't good enough to <laughs> fucking mow down all this shit.
2: Right. But like you have to, you know, if your mayhem devil kind of takes care of some of their earlier stuff that allows them to snowball, then a wicked wolf could take care of some of the bigger. Oh, yeah. You know, there there are ways to to do that, but I I know what you mean. Like, yeah, if they're if they're if you're if both sides are trying kind of gold fishing or whatever, and then they play a cocoa that puts like 15 power on the board, wicked wolf's not going to do shit
0: yeah and i and i assume that that i like i don't even know if the angel deck's the best that there's two there's actually two Slesnia company decks out there i think the angel deck sits on top of the other company deck but i think the other company deck is better against the field and probably that's probably a again. yeah this this build has been getting popular um kyle bogamas is talking about it on social media it is land war elf yasharn and well like it's a coco deck with like lovestruck beast and um kazandu mammoth and then the great henge but it also runs collected company and it just has a bunch of stuff. And this is where one of the points that I was making is um, I think Skyclave Apparition plus Collected Company is very historic, powerful enough. Like it is, it is, it hits that level of power in this format. It's mm-hmm. what is the shell around it that makes it sense. Because every time I'm playing, um, I've been trying a lot of decks. Um, and like, you know, I've been working on Coco decks, I've been working on Death Shadow decks, I've been playing a little bit of Gruel, a little bit of Slezny decks. And whenever my opponent companies into apparitions, it just, I'm done. Like whatever yeah. I was doing has been brick walled and, and it'll take me more time to redo set up what I'm trying to accomplish in a game. Yeah. And then they're, they're throwing a whammy down They're throwing a great hinge or even bigger creatures. And they're attacking me. And it kind of yeah. just shuts me down. Like, like for example, a death shadow deck has to do a lot to invest into a death shadow. Mm-hmm. And then they can just apparition it. And if you kill that, you get a one one. It's like, That was a really good return on investment you know
2: i mean the the older a format the better cards like that tend to get Mm -hmm. it's like you know like in a more powerful format you don't have time to play expensive ass six drops or seven mana sorceries or whatever like you can in standard um and so then something like that that's highly tuned against low cmc cards just becomes so powerful um you know i i don't know it makes sense to me why that card would be really good and yeah i i agree so
0: yeah so i've been i've been super impressed with the idea of these decks i don't like all the cards that people are playing in them and i haven't put a lot of effort into them myself um which i you know i plan to for the next couple days like i actually just got most of my work done for the week i had some other stuff happen uh this weekend and so finally I can sit down and grind and that's what I'm going to be doing for the foreseeable future until registration I'm pretty excited to dabble with these company decks cuz I think that they are they have they have what it takes to get into this format um it's just what cards are correct to play
2: Brad's going to be battling on the ladder it's going to be uh god I fucked up my joke never mind continue
0: well actually the first thing (laughs) i'm gonna do is i'm gonna test a little bit of targeted testing with in standard with uh seth mansley field um Mm -hmm. because i want to get standard completely done before the sdgs shake up because i mean we're i mean like like corey said earlier everyone that is playing in the uh call time championship is going to have their eyes on all the sdg results because this is like historic is like not that easy to find data about right now not like especially good stuff and then all of a sudden you're going to have thousands of matches to sift through. Like, it's just kind of absurd. Um, but yeah, so, so there's this angel deck. There was also a vampire deck that like Nasif was working on. And I think it's hot garbage. I just, I do not think a mono black vampire deck, like the, the old Soren into champion of dusk was kind of messed up in standard, but it has not translated for me into historic, storic.
2: Yeah, especially if people can just Skyclave your Soren or whatever, like I uh, you know, or just do more powerful things. So I I wanted like I saw the vampire stack and I was like really excited about it. But deep down I knew it's kind of one of those things where you see a deck and you're like, oh my like I hope that's sweet because that's something that I want to play. But deep down you know that like after a day of testing, you're gonna be off it. And that's kind of how I felt when I saw that vampire stack. And, of course, that's just initial gut call. I could easily be wrong, but that was just my gut take on seeing <laughs> that deck, was like, I'm going to waste a day playing this deck and then not play it in charge it. Oh,
0: I wasted, I wasted one match that I won, so uh, a teammate's like, oh, this deck exists, and posted it in in our Discord. I'm like, okay. And I didn't even look through it, because I I don't have an easy time looking through uh, the entire deck list, um, you know, in deck arena deck list form. So I just... Throw it onto Arena. Don't even open it, and I just go submit. Let's play a match historic, and I played turn two Grifted Aetherborn, and I'm like, oh yeah, this this can't happen. <laughs> like, there's there's no way a two three Lifelink Death Touch for two mana is gonna be in my historic deck in a tournament. Like,
2: yeah, that's <laughs> why I was that's why I was wondering if black white vampires would be better because I didn't want to play like a lot of the vampires that were in that deck. And they might might be the only options you get in a mono-black deck.
0: I don't even remember what vampires exist. The problem with most vampires, at least, there's... Like, you can't do any that are combat-friendly because combat is just not a space you can get into.
1: Gotcha. With with white and black creatures. That makes me feel real bad because I submitted vampires for my deck tomorrow for Versus, and I thought the deck actually looked sweet but I think only what like Dmitry Budokov is the only one who's like been winning and loves vampires in this format oh, so, me, maybe, yeah, maybe I did, he's I got a good list a I, I, right. might not have,
0: I might not have seen his list the last list I saw was Nassif so then I ignore the deck yeah. uh, so if, if I see a deck I don't like I play a match with it and it doesn't feel good and then I stop playing against it on the ladder mm-hmm. I, I, I ignore it because yeah. that, that is the one thing like arena yeah. ladder will never tell you if a deck is good or bad but it, it will well, it'll tell you if it's bad. It won't tell you if it's good, but it tells everyone else that too if it's bad. So they'll stop playing a garbage deck if they're losing every match with it. So yeah, if people are continuing true. to if I keep playing against vampires, then that means there might be something there. But true, if it if it's sh- popped up for two days and it's gone now, I just assume that it's, you know, a a hot steaming pile of Brian and I can move on.
2: <laughs> yeah. Also, and I,
1: I was totally also-
2: oh sorry brian go ahead there's also okay there's also the uh thing that like in a format as wide open as this you you just can't test everything it's just not possible so you just have to make some cuts like where you're just like i'm not gonna play this deck like you're just like i'm not even gonna bother testing it like that's me with blue eye control it's like blue eye control could be the best deck in the format um you know i think that the deck lists of blue light that i've looked at look really good like I, I think that they just they look like they're well built and i wouldn't be surprised if that deck was legitimately good in this format but i'm just not going to test it like i don't have the time to want to spend a lot of time trying to tune this blue white deck um and if i'm wrong i wasted because it takes so long to tune a control deck if i'm wrong i wasted so much time and if i'm right you know I don't even know if I really want to play blue eye control anyway. It's like Mm -hmm. you just you have to make concessions somewhere and accept that like, yeah, maybe you miss out on the best deck for a tournament or two because you uh, narrowed your field like that. But the downside of trying to test everything and trying to make sure that you tick every single box is that oftentimes you just end up with. Mediocre versions of every deck in your repertoire, and you you never get the good version of a deck because you don't invest enough time in whatever you eventually think is the good deck.
0: I don't
1: know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it comes. It totally makes sense.
0: It, yeah, and it also comes down to how many resources you have with like teams and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's what and that's where a lot of that value comes from. Like, right? Um, you know, I it it's kind of like I saw Martin and and uh Crokey's having a little mini spout online, and I'm not going to get into the depths of it. But that—that that is one thing that it took me a little bit to realize that, like, while not all of the reasons teams exist is a form of, like, gatekeeping, competitive, high-level magic, there are a few things that, like, we just can't really equate to, like, its it's fair because it's not against the rules, but it is a huge advantage that we have to understand we have.
2: Oh, it's 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 um, incredible advantage. I mean, like, yeah. I've, I've only tested by myself this entire year, and I'm at a massive disadvantage because I'm doing that. And anyone sure. who's new to a competitive circuit and doesn't have the resources to get into a big team or a, a really good team like that are at a huge competitive disadvantage. Like, 100%, that's the case. And I agree. There's no way to... You can't police people forming teams unless you really change a lot of aspects of competitive magic. But... It, it is a massive competitive advantage and there's no way around that for sure.
1: The one thing I will say is, you know, like there is the super teams or whatever are definitely going to be advantage, but that doesn't mean that if you're testing with you and three of your friends that you just respect that play good magic. That's still very helpful as well. Now, yeah. if if you're playing with not-so-great players and they're giving you false information on, on matchups, on, on deck lists and stuff like that, then that's not doing you much. But, you know, if, you just, if you're testing with, let's say, like Tanagrams, um, you know, the, these kind of up-and-coming kids, I know he has an, a couple other people that he tests with, and, like, they're not a huge testing team, but they're good Magic players who are generally feeding off each other, and that is a huge advantage for them um
0: yep. you know well, i don't so think that, is that is that's that still kind of like stuff. high up like like that's like, still hot yeah. yeah i, yeah, true, I don't true, even true. think you have to have
2: a pro level t- like you don't have to have MPL players in your team for it to be a good team like yeah. i think a lot of teams of people who are grinding scg circuit um and this was even the case back when scg was paper circuit as well like mm-hmm. i think a lot of those teams were putting out better deck lists than the pros were putting out yes. because they were putting in they were putting way more work into it and they had a yeah. really healthy dynamic on how they tested yeah, and, Team
1: BCW. On a, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to say that in a cocky way or whatever, but we had some really good tournaments. We had some stinkers, but we were able to bounce off ideas. Me, Pete, but Corey, and, Team BCW and
0: was not, a, a a tier one team on the SCG circuit.
1: Yeah, but I'm you no, know we were I, not yeah. we were not high level pros, you know, but we were SCG grinders. But
2: yeah, yeah, and I think no, I I I agree, Corey. Like that, that's a good example of mm-hmm. of that. Like I I think. You know, like it doesn't have to be a pro level team to, to, to do something awesome. And,
0: you know, mm-hmm. there's a
2: lot of people who played on those circuits who I really respected. And I felt mm-hmm. like I could copy a deck list that they played and it would be very good. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that. But I do I do 100 percent agree that being on a team is, is a massive edge. And for me, just testing by myself, I have to just say I'm not going to bother with these four decks at all because I just don't have mm-hmm. the time to test everything. Yeah, Whereas yeah, with totally a team, you could be like, okay, two people are testing this and one person's testing this. You get a little bit more. As long as you trust your teammates, you get a little bit more information out of it.
0: Oh yeah, sometimes True. teams can help and hurt. I will say one thing about amateur team building for <laughs> anyone that, especially after COVID, that's going to take a crack at things because my 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 assumption is that like you know once we get back to being able to play tabletop magic tabletop competitive op will come back and in that breeds teams testing meeting up a few days early i i definitely like i was with brian last time and i was like the testing house thing is over i did it for a decade i'm sick of being in a house with 10 10 fucking guys for a week you know i'm done with Mm -hmm. that shit but now after this COVID, i'm like i want to go and hang out with my 10 buddies in a house i don't even want to play magic i just want to fucking hang out yeah, um, I want to go know. to,
3: like,
1: a basketball game. I want to, you know, maybe play, yeah. like, do a draft in the morning, but just go out to dinner and stuff. And, yeah, the, I my, cannot wait for that.
0: But since we've been talking about testing teams and stuff like that, I do want to just bring up one thing about amateur testing teams that I think is the golden rule that will make and break things and it will really help you out um, of finding your own voice in your team and also not listening to toxic people. And that the that is – the lesson is – you do not have to be the right person. Your team just has to have the right deck. And the the reason that's important is there's people on testing teams that I've experienced that need to feel like the right person, that need need their opinions and their ideas to function because whatever reason they have in their head, they need to have more value than they have currently on the team. They're not comfortable in their position, whether it's in the magic community, In the testing environment with themselves whatever it is so the more somebody pushes false narratives the more you need to get them off the team and 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 not be working with them because they will derail you for x amount of time until because or you have to talk to them about their behavior um but that that i've seen that hurt a lot of groups oh yeah and that and that at this point now like up you know with people i'm talking like my groups they're everyone's comfortable you know maybe the new mm-hmm. person needs to feel a little bit more comfortable But for the most part everyone's comfortable saying how they feel and what they do and they you just want efficiency and you want to get in and get out and have a good deck
1: no and honestly i think that is uh, that's a big lesson i learned when i started testing with ultimate genesis like i i had a much bigger role in bcw um, and then when I went to Ultimate Genesis, I, you know, kind of thought, okay, my deck building's good, I can do the same, and then quickly realized that I am not the best <laughs> deck builder on this team by a lot, and, uh, you know, you you, you got to learn what you're good at, um, and
2: and and be grounded and humble in that
0: thing. Okay, two things about that, unless you're going to bring it up, Brian.
2: I was just going to say, like, what about when you were on the non-Ultimate version of Genesis? <laughs> yeah, I was going I was to say, is, yeah,
0: yeah, I was gonna say is, like, that was kind of an inside name. I don't think anyone in the world knows what Ultimate Genesis is. What it is, is we tested with Ultimate Guard, like Huey uh, and the rest of them. And Genesis, we all, like, kind of took our two six-man pods and put them together for a year and tested for a bunch of tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we just called ourselves Ultimate Genesis, but not branding-wise. Like, the world... BDM never shouted Ultimate Genesis's name.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> That's fair. I kind of thought that was arc- just a
2: known thing, to be honest.
0: What was He's that? too busy
2: trying to stop Martin Mueller from saying, "Yeah, <laughs> Martin Mueller is just you're dropping up bombs magic, constantly." You're f- up. <laughs> <laughs> love
0: oh man! It, love but, it. <laughs> but yeah, so so that that was a good that uh, was a good moving over there. Let's actually move into the actually uh, most hyped thing. I think that's yes. what we're talking about today, and that's Death Shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, Death Shadow is a very popular card, obviously in Modern. It was played heavily; it's still played to this day, and yep. it just made its historic approach. Um, and just so you know, Corey, you're cutting in and out. You're you're not. You, we can't hear anything you're saying.
2: Yeah, you're, really. You're, we can hear that you're trying to talk about stuff, but we're ignoring all of it because it's not coming through.
1: <laughs> Well, to be fair, oh, no, it, it, back. it it will be uh, sounding good on the podcast because it's not cutting out on audacity, but my internet is shaky today because, you know, I just got to love Cox communication. They've always been so good to me. And uh, well, Corey, so, you cut so out, so you, out. You,
0: you were cutting out. You love Cox. Yeah. You got to <laughs> love Cox what? Well, you were cutting out. Wow! Yeah, I'll
1: just let you guys finish the episode. Corey's, okay. oh, yeah. Corey's a real
2: sucker for Cox communication. Jesus, he loves yes. everything they got.
1: Unreal! <laughs> I work with children, ladies and gentlemen. I work with a couple of children.
0: Ah! All right. Anyway, um, but yeah. So Michael Bajers wrote an article this week uh, about updating a Rakdos Arcanist deck with Death mm-hmm. Shadow. Um, there's been countless Azorius. Um, or Orzov, excuse me, Orzov Death Shadow decks because Adanto Vanguard is a great addition with it because you can just play Adanto's Vanguard and go down to whatever low life total you want. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I've also seen people dabbling in splashing Collected Company and trying to build decks around that. Um, and so for the most part, there's just a bunch of builds. A lot of people are working with Death Shadow right now. Um, yeah, Corey, uh, you go first. I've or should I? I think I'm just gonna say it i think that this is a fad there might be one good death shadow deck out there eventually mm-hmm. but so far i just feel like these decks are not competing with um the already stable best decks like gruel yeah. jund um i i mean i even tried to do this and i like got destroyed by a selesnia deck um this
2: yeah. um this orzod deck looks awesome though
1: it it does look sweet so yeah i'll, I'll uh i'll i'll ex- I'll talk about my experience with it so far. Um, so, the only thing that I really like about Death Shadow in Historic, I don't love it in the black white list, just because I think like Adonto Vanguard and I think these Death Shadow like strategies are not really going to blend too well against a couple of cards Collected Company and Mayhem Devil. Mayhem Devil being able to ping Adonto Vanguard, or just if your opponent gets so low on life, you can kind of easily finish them off. And same with collected company, if you're if you're paying, uh, you know, hitting yourself with so much life, just an end step company and then finish you off is is pretty easy to do. So I don't love it. And I don't love the Orzov deck, basically. And I kind of agree with you, bro. I think it's a fad that it it kind of reminds me of like Marvel right when it came out that it was so hyped and then it ended up just not being good but the only thing I do think it is decent in is in the Rakdos Arcanist deck, just because it gives you that ability to pivot and have just a good aggressive plan when your opponent is Rest in Peace, Stony or Rest in Peace, Leyline, or Caging you, where before it was just, okay, they play cage and you have to find a Braid, or you have to get lucky and they have to have an anemic draw, and your young Pyromancer plus tokens is gonna go the distance. And that's a really hard game to win post-Bora, just trying to find one of your three outers, four outers. But if now you can also just win the game by playing a one mana five five, and, you know, uh, fame it or something, Uh, I guess you can't do that with, um, you know, the cages in play. But just the fact that you get an aggressive plan as a good plan B if your opponent has hate cards, I like that. And the only thing that is bad is you make your game one just worse when people don't have hate cards because Death Shadow doesn't coherently go into this Rakdos Arcanist strategy. Um, But it is good against specifically the hate cards. So that's what I would play going into this um, Kaldheim Championship if I was qualified I don't know about Major's list for sure. I played it. I won a few matches. It seems cool, but uh, something along that lines is what I love because I already love this deck.
2: See, right. I think this. I think the Orzov deck looks way better to me. Um, okay, I, I I don't know about Adano Vanguard like that. I you know it, it it's it's definitely cute with Death Shadow, but yeah, I'd be skeptical if that card's that great.
3: Mm-hmm. But I think
2: there's a number of things about this Orzov deck that that I really enjoy. One is Ranger of Eos is is just like such a powerful card yeah so like, the threats in this deck seem way better where you just have redundancy and being able to get like a bunch of death shadows or um knight of the Evan legions or whatever into play
1: or a giant um, killer for a removal spell that's the one thing i love like that's yeah getting sweet.
2: getting that's really sweet too but also the the big thing for me is is one of the banes of a deck like death shadow is you you'd like oftentimes you have one big threat and a lot of interaction and like if your opponent's playing like these cocoa type decks it's so easy for them to chump block a death shadow just repeatedly especially with like a witch's oven and cauldron familiar and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. maul the skyclaves to just be like a team or battle rage also seems kind of great to me
0: but so yeah. so i yeah I, I need to take my turn to talk about something very important sure go for it all right so Corey, when you were uh when you were Telling us your Rakdos Arcanist spiel? Uh-huh. Did you practice that on Versus Live yesterday? It sounded no. like a Versus Live spiel.
1: No, but I I do
0: have Did you guys play Rakdos Arcanist on, on Versus Live yesterday? We did without Dash Shadow, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no Never mind that. <laughs> it just, I was like, hmm, this feels prepared. <laughs> no, no, that's
1: honestly just how I felt about arcanist in the past is just the hate cards really just cold it but Death shadow gives you that element where before it was like hazard you know like hazard was the plan b but that really is just kind of awkward um so i you know i i like having something different than that
0: but oh yeah no and and yeah and a deck that can play multiple thoughts like Mm -hmm. thoughtsies into arcanist and do thoughtsies death shadow sounds absurd (laughs) like yeah if you have some of those double face cards (laughs) agreed
1: and honestly like the thing i love about the arcanist mana base here is like shatter skull smashing sure i think that's okay you're not really going to cast it too awesome but it's possible but like just having four agadames awakening that card's already decent you know that card's
0: amazing i think in these decks yeah these aggressive decks the worst thing about them is they flood yeah. And and then you just have a bunch of shitty aggressive creatures. But if you can just pay six mana when you're flooding and put three yeah. more creatures back onto the battlefield, that's just absurd. Yeah, yeah the only
1: I, thing I hate about Majors' list here is like Dragon Skull Summit. Like, look at how many lands actually allow that to come into play untap. Seven out of the whole deck, you know? Like, I don't think you can play that land with these double
2: face cards. So looking like, just the discussion between these two decks... Yeah. Like, nothing in the Rakdos deck seems good to me except for, or sorry, none of the red cards seem good to me except for Arcanus, which is just a, a really insane card. That and like, I still like the white aspect of this. Like, a lot of the white cards seem really powerful to me. Maybe mm-hmm. just play them, maybe there's just a Mardu Dust Shadow deck, like, yeah, where the only you could thing... just play Arcanist as your two drop instead of Adanto, which I'm not excited about Adanto Vanguard, and then you know. I think the white deck has way too many creatures basically. So I think hmm. you cut cut a bunch of the creatures. You play Adanto, but you can still have Ranger of EOS. You can still have um some of those other things. That the you know, Agonemes Awakening and Amirias Call both seem really nice as well. Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, the only thing I will say about the Rakdos deck, compared to the Orzhov deck, is the Rakdos deck never really runs out of steam, and the Orzhov deck is just an aggro deck that you can flood, and you don't have a ton of flood protection, besides Ranger, I guess, but, you know, you're never getting to 7 mana for Amiri's Call. What are you so. talking
0: about? You what? can kick your Scourges. That, <laughs> that is a mana sink, buddy. Got him. Also, you have knights Got and him. you have you have equipment. You you have plenty to do with your mana. Yeah, if suppose, it's good, I, it, it, I I can't argue if it's good or not. Knight uh,
2: of the Heaven Legion also scales well. Oh, cleared, that's what so. I meant. Yeah. Knight.
0: Yeah, I said knight. That's what I meant. Yeah, I yeah. should have said the whole name. But yeah, Knight of the Heaven Legion, the equipment, and then potentially seven mana. But Ranger of Eos is a good mana sync because it's going to find you cards that can be mana syncs Like yeah, like yeah. I, I definitely I definitely think that. If these decks aren't good, it's just because the the deck is too underpowered at what it does. Because yeah. at the end of the day, Orz of Agro is an aggro deck and has to attack you. And again, it, it, you're telling me that there's an aggressive deck that can be played in this format that doesn't like, isn't just gruel like that, that would blow me away, you know?
1: Yeah. That, yeah, that's
0: fair. Um, th- Like that would be really interesting to me that if that's possible, but I mean, it could be, uh, I just played against this deck and I, I have not been impressed with it with anything that I play. um, But that's also because I'm playing the fun police. You know, I'm testing Gruel, I'm testing Selesnia, I'm testing Jund. Like, these are the decks I'm testing. I did take Rakdos for a spin for a little bit, but I just found it still just kind of all over the place. Sure. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: weird. I just like, love the deck so much, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're a real big Rakdos person. Like, the, the thing yeah. is, is, I like... Those kinds of decks, like I love the Young Pyromancer kinds of decks, that like the Dreadhorde Arkanus kinds of decks. But every time I try to play a Rakdos deck in Historic or in Standard, I just feel like the deck is so bad. And I, I, I don't know. Like maybe I'm just bad at playing it. But I just always feel like the deck is so bad.
1: Man, I, I've just not been experiencing the same thing as y'all at all. But you know, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I I, I I just don't know why I just always feel like what I'm doing is just so unimpressive compared to what other people are doing. I don't yeah, know. But but to to I be just...
1: fair, to be fair, Brian, you also thought 10,000 Spoons was sung by Adele, so I don't know if I can trust your opinion on... Uh... I don't even know what 10,000
2: Spoons is.
1: Whatever, that uh, ironic song by Alanis Morissette. It's like, 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. Ryan just um, thought, he's like
2: that's that's a down right yeah I didn't even know that was part of the song and so. sorry
0: that's Corey that's <laughs> that's not it's not ten thousand spoons it's five 500, thousand twenty six how much is 525,600 spoons that's how I many that was spoons how it many, is I
2: thought that was how many miles you had to walk. But, God,
1: I wish my internet cut out before that joke. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, Corey's internet's gone again. We can still hear him talking, but he's yelling to he's yelling to the other room about how fucking stupid we are. But his internet must be out. So <laughs> uh, now, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think that I, I don't know about this particular build, but I think that this Orzov death shadow thing has legs and you actually have a lot of yeah. there's a lot of great sideboard cards you get access to in these colors as well so may, maybe i, I do think there. it
1: is kind of sweet i do think it is kind of sweet i'm just very fearful of its john matchup and i think john is the most popular if this deck has a good john matchup which it seems like it doesn't to me but if it does i think this deck has a chance of being good but if it doesn't i think john's going to be too popular where you can't play this that's that's yeah. where i would be at
2: yeah i mean it it probably doesn't but i would i would be interested to see maul the skyclaves versus john because that seems like a real Mm. nice ko thing um yeah oh yeah i love
0: it just fucking hit me and then i'm gonna claim the firstborn and attack you in second then you have to pay four mana next time
2: hell yeah well wouldn't it wouldn't i just be dead I feel like if you claim the first four a death shadow of them all, I'm just oh, dead.
0: Well maybe maybe now that it's been equipped and i have been hit, but most most times I claim death shadows, I don't need to sack them. In fact, I, mean, I if, don't have the ability to sack them.
2: You're mm. right. They're just they just die. They just, they just, disappear, just disappear, yeah. disappear. Well I feel like if I just hit you with a claimed death shadow, you probably drop to like four life if you didn't die to that attack.
0: And oh yeah. That. But then you did. Yeah.
1: Is your experience with that though brad if you've played this list at all or you played jund against this is your experience that Jund does beat this or
0: i mean because be i'm just I guessing played, but like, i've
1: never played it you know
0: so so pretty much um I, I i've done this thing now like uh twice now where i just pick up a deck for the first match i play it and i play mm-hmm. against a streamer and then after the match i go into their stream and they're like oh brad's on this deck now and like once i once i played against um danny t and I just built this heinous deck. It was a Death Shadow deck with Coco, and it had four rotting Regisaurs, but he was on a okay. control deck. And I just like fucking went like, Thoughtseize, Adanto's Vanguard, rotting Regisaur, Thoughtseize, Regisaur, you. And he just died. <laughs> and he's like, What is Brad playing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you got him. Yeah. And then I queued up again against like another deck that, like, you know, had creatures, and I'm like, oh, I can never win because these seven sixes are just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Love oh, it. Man.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, really all that I know from Historic. Anybody else got any cool decks?
2: No. Yeah, um, actually, can I talk to you guys about uh, oh. this Combo, by chance? Oh, um,
1: that was our next Tier 1 deck to talk about. Yeah, Perfect.
2: <laughs> was it? Cool. I don't see it on the list, actually. I'm, I'm in the... Uh, you know, show notes. I don't see Cat combo right now.
0: <laughs> Oh, I also don't see it in any metagame or anyone's conversations or streams or anywhere. Really?
1: So, of course, you you and uh, um, Hain will be playing it.
2: <laughs> I think Hain played a different deck the last oh, time. Oh, Hain,
0: wi- Hain wisened up since the last time, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, okay. he's wisened
2: up. Some of us remained dumb. No, I played Gruul <laughs> last time, and I went 8-4, so boom. So BBD's running that back. Probably not, uh, but, no, probably not no. Probably
0: not. Really? Okay. I, it's it's also I think still a good deck.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean it will be my backup plan then if it's still a good deck.
1: Yeah, Brian will be playing this Orzov Death Shadow
0: list. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Hane just played anti salti salti last time. Nice.
2: And I think the time before he played like a cycling deck of some kind as well. Was that was there like a blue white cycling deck in in historic at some point?
0: Oh yeah, there was John Rolfe played it. I beat the crap out of him.
2: I think Han played that in one of the events as well. Mm, gotcha.
0: Yeah, they did. They 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 were like, I'm gonna put this enchantment in play in cycle and then pay more mana to make two twos. And I'm like, I'm just gonna play a turn for. Thing that makes three threes and
1: yeah that it. deck did
2: not look good
0: no
1: i remember covering a couple matches of that and i was like I mean, oh. it was a close
0: match i barely i barely won but yeah yeah <laughs>
2: it's like that deck was so bad i mean i had to peel one outer to get him but holy <laughs> shit was that deck bad <laughs> yes
0: yes the last time i played against that was in a team gp brian where we beat the shit out of a pro team what Which, what was this uh it was when I was playing blue white control and we took second or did we top four take second in that team GP um, yeah, it was Seth and I was playing blue white control and Paulo was playing the blue white cycling version of the deck, which was way favored, but I still beat him. Mm, um yeah. and 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 uh Ifra was complaining about being like oh five yeah. or oh six and you oh, just, was... you put him on the deck <laughs> that was just because so they, there's only one legacy deck. You, yeah, Brian's like, yeah. there's only one legacy me, deck me, that uh, I Okay, I'll tell you tell it. <laughs> yeah, so we're
2: we're getting paired against it was Efro, Ben Stark, and Paulo. Okay. Efro had been complaining on Twitter that he was like one in nine with his legacy deck. And okay. we didn't I didn't actually like we hadn't scouted, scouted or whatever, yeah. so we didn't know what any of them were on. And um and I was I had to try to deci- decipher from what he had just said about his record to what deck he was actually playing. And I was like, there can only be one deck that he has that he's one in nine with. And it's that new uh, like affinity deck that people started playing in Legacy at the time. I was like, it has to be that deck. And I got paired against him, and that's of course what he was actually playing. Yes, <laughs> it was like that uh, Lodestone Golem affinity deck that had become popular like just that week or whatever. And like I just perfectly pegged that that was the only deck that I could imagine pro being one and nine with.
0: <laughs> you were playing four color mid range, right?
2: Yeah, I was
0: yeah. um he
2: still beat me game one, but I didn't oh win a yeah,
0: match. and and yeah but then Brian and I won our matches. And so Seth and Ben could stop, and it was uh, Jeskai versus Azorius Control.
2: Oh, that was also great, yeah. It was
0: so, okay, this this is so good, Corey, just because of just Ben Stark absurdity. Like, we're not going to finish the match. We're not even going to engage in, like, who's winning. But Ben wanted to, and he's like, yeah, it's really close. And it was so not close that we just, like, Seth had to get, like, Seth took the bait. And then, they, like Seth was arguing with Ben about how not close this game was, and mm-hmm. and these are the conversations we have in person when we're talking to each other. People, sh- that's why people have lost faith in us on social media because <laughs> these are the arguments. This is how we spend our time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the exact board state, but the gist of it was that uh, Ben starts playing blue white and Seth's playing just guy so it's kind of a control mirror in a way, except okay. that. Seth has a Vendillion click that's beating Ben down that he has no answer for. Seth has multiple burn spells in hand and a cryptic command. And I think Ben was at like 12 life or something. And, and a ben just had, Yeah. And Ben just had like literal nothing. And he thought the game was like a 50-50 from there. I think wow. Ben had a search for his Kanta that was like maybe about to flip soon or something. But Classic. like that was, that was it. It was like Seth has like six cards in hand, including... A lot of burn and counter backup with the pressure in play. (laughs) And like, Ben was like, Yeah, I think it's like a 50 50 from here. And we're just like, I couldn't even like envision a scenario where Seth could lose that game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think he just like Seth allowed him to resolve a Jace. Maybe I thought there was a Jace in play or Seth had a Jace. I don't know. But it was, it was, it was absurd all around.
2: Yeah, it was, it was insanity. Nice. Sounds funny.
0: Oh, uh, and didn't we draw round fucking three or whatever, because Matt folks was slow as balls?
2: uh, I think you guys were both slow as balls. he
0: was way slower, maybe,
2: maybe he
0: was way slower
2: didn't you uh, didn't you guys not even finish game one?
0: No, no I mean. no, we did not finish game one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, wow. we both have a million commit memories. We're both playing the like we were both playing the to kill you deck. <laughs>
1: Oh, like, that was an awful time of mirror matches. Oh, Holy yeah, shit. where your
0: main deck has no win condition except for Teferi Ultimate and decking yeah, man. You had yeah. no win condition.
1: That is the one joy of Magic's power creep going up is like, those games just don't happen anymore, you know?
2: There's yeah, cards there's that also, kill people now. <laughs> there's also the match where brad just needed to not lose but he thought he had to win so he boarded yes. in all of his creatures in the worst thought...
0: matchup possible to bring him uh, in against
2: yeah he <laughs> boarded in all his creatures what was the scenario it so was, was those... i had won my match and you and seth were both still playing
0: there's so five you... minutes on the clock
2: and there's five minutes on the clock so if both of you just don't if if neither of your matches finish it would just be a one one zero victory for us yeah and
0: and and the correct procedure there is to just board naturally and just play a game of magic just don't die right right? don't slow play but just don't die but i thought i had the, the genius in me i thought i'd win so against green white constrictor i brought in all of my, like the, the history new white of Manalias, White Knights, like, Walking Ballistas, and I just beat the shit out of them. I beat them down. Like, the, the <laughs> it was so down. bad. I just fucking beat them down and won the game. <laughs>
3: nice. Yeah,
0: it was just absurd. Like, he had no clue what was going on. I'm just like, night, history, night.
2: <laughs> that might have just been. That was one of the best decks I've ever played in a GP. That might have been the best deck I've ever played in a GP.
0: Yeah, you, I mean. That,
2: that four color legacy, like Death Shad, <laughs> or uh, Death, right Shaman, old deck. I, I, I went 13 and two with the deck, and both of my losses were to Lucas Cial, who was playing the same deck, but tuned for the mirror.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the coolest thing about that, and this will be like the last thing I'll say about it, because I think we're already boring Corey. Oh, um, yeah. is, Horrifically. Okay. The, the <laughs> coolest thing about this team GP is obviously things would have been different if this happened. But if you look back at all of our results, you could remove Seth from the equation and we just take an automatic loss in the tournament every round in the middle seat. And Brian and I would still have lost in the finals of that Grand Prix.
2: Yeah. It's kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but,
0: because every Seth time Seth won a Seth, lot too.
2: It wasn't no, even he, like Seth oh, yeah. did bad. Yes. Yeah, I think. Was I, also think I, I think.
0: I think. On the drive back, I figured out that we would have top 16 16ed if I was out of the equation, and we would have top eighted if you were out of the equation or some shit. I don't remember, um, or vice versa. I don't remember exactly the details, um, but it was something that was sort of like. It. Anyway, let's just get to the cast crew. That was a fun story about seeing people and <laughs> and hanging out. I miss. I miss going to tournaments now. True that. True that. Dude, team, team GP next next year. Oh, or team up in open. Team I'm open. In. No, team <laughs> open. Oh, next team yeah. open. Oh yeah. Oh, the Bash Bros you know team open. Let's do this.
1: Yes, yes. Hopefully we can get crokies but if he's not available, Brian, you in?
2: Yeah, hell
0: yeah, I am. yeah. Hell I'm looking
1: yeah. forward
2: to us being on camera for some match that like decides whether we top eight. And like one of you's won and the other one of you's lost, and then I uh I do something so completely wrong that it's embarrassing and we lose.
0: <laughs> that sounds That's, great.
2: Then we'll go to dinner. We'll be yeah. called- Brian,
0: That <laughs> usually happens in the last round of day one. Oh,
2: okay.
0: And then we don't make yeah. day two. Oh cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: sounds great Anyways, casting crew, Brad. Kick us yeah. off. All right, so the mm-hmm. casting
0: crew, everyone, just so you don't know, uh, well, thank you for watching. Or listening excuse me but thank you for mm-hmm. listening to this week uh the cast and crew is a place where a lot of our fans support us um and it would be if you were interested in doing that you can support us at patreon.com slash podcast we truly appreciate it it'll allow you to get into our discord and there's a lot of perks uh, as well we do a pre-show which this week was pretty fun it was like 45 extra minutes
2: yeah, uh, 45 minutes ad. of us talking about nothing related to magic it god was... no we're, yes. we're, we're now trying to lose andrea manguchi in the pre-show not the episode itself yeah
1: yeah it's it's really a new stretch goal can we lose manguchi in the pre-show as well as, we, as the actual can episode? we lose
2: manguchi before the episode even begins that's
3: <laughs> yes but
0: love it we also every once in <laughs> a while we haven't done it in a while and we should we play we play uh, among us with our community and those have been fun nights speaking of that it's been fun corbin yeah. i played i played among us for the first time in like a month because i haven't been playing it uh-huh. i had a lot of fun last night and corbin's like why don't you come in so you should come in and play with us one of these nights
1: yeah he did message me he's like yeah. brad and travis talk non-stop shit about you and you're not even there so oh yeah he's, you- he's
0: <laughs> lying about that 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 is not even the truth like he literally is like why is Corbin here i'm like oh i should invite him blah blah blah. i said nice things about you fuck corbin uh-huh. yeah, you, you shouldn't come play <laughs> with us fuck that liar Okay. Anyway, the cast and crew is a great place to support us. Thank you so much, everyone. You can Corbin. come and play
1: among us with us. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun um, during those weeks. So, so check out our our Patreon, and if you like what you hear, come support us. And probably if you don't like what you hear, still support us because I really alienated a lot of potential, you know, supporters. Yeah,
2: you can't you can't say works. things like you like what you hear because that's yeah, yeah. no yeah, one likes yeah. it they just they tolerate it
1: if you tolerate what you hear and you'd like to hear more
0: (laughs) but anyway so thank you everyone that does support us uh truly appreciate it and let's kick off the cast and crew with bino gatista who has had another promotion and that is brian's Mm. first place trophy holder um i didn't i didn't know we both needed trophy holders but i guess bino is uh is really taking taking the you know the run of all of the jobs here
2: what do you mean, yeah, bino, both mean trophy holders? i don't know what you're talking about bino gatista is my first place trophy holder it's a totally legitimate <laughs> position that he's yeah. been promoted into and i don't understand anything that brad's saying right now oh so it was
0: bino uh, who reference. broke your world's trophy <laughs>
2: uh, must
1: have oh been. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right next up we got s saruti our good buddy who does play some among us with us that mm-hmm. is our business analyst Mm-hmm. And let me tell you just breaks down every single bit of data and just really really gets it going for all of our yeah, uh, podcast. Yeah,
0: week episodes. after week just pinches off that data. It's really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Really digs through the crumbs to come out with some real gems. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually
1: the second best analyst around, so. Uh,
2: all right. Doctor is pretty good, so. <laughs> We've got Insight Esports, that is our esports event organizer on MTG Melee. And there's never been a
0: more on the nose job. (laughs) Yes. Insight (laughs) Esports, an esports event organizer. (laughs) On MTG Melee. That,
2: that sounds like a real job. What is going on? That sounds too real. I don't get it. We need to do a performance review on
0: Inside yeah. eSports. That's way too real. Right, next up, we got Ian, who is BBP's leading resident pastafarian.
2: Mm. That sounds like a real... That's just too real. That sounds like such a real job that...
0: I don't know. I bet I bet.
1: those are to I thought you were just soundboarded there for a second Brian you said something so similar to the last one mm. that I really thought you got soundboarded
2: wow that's uh, foreshadowing Corey all right I guess so. <laughs> next up we have Wappa and that is Brad's personal barista and personal dog walker however won't walk BBD <sighs> fucked up fucked up but we'll man. walk you fucked back up.
0: when you say something stupid
2: that's true mm. that is true mm. yes
0: Wappa, yeah. Wappa will do that for you
2: which is, which is most of the things. So.
0: Yes. That All All right. the N- best. And if we need something walk-backed, back, is definitely written by Adham, who is our ghost writer mm, for yeah. the mm. BBP. So any complaints you have about our material should go to Sheen Serrani, but be targeted at Adham.
2: Yeah, we actually, uh, we like to go off script a lot with what we say. You know, we we ad-lib a lot of the lines and our things. But anytime we do say something that's super stupid, it, that was us following Adham's script. Sure. Yeah, oh, like the whole pre show.
1: Like the whole pre show like was all ad ham. We read that yeah. verbatim.
2: So, like 97% of this episode was Adam. Yes, so.
1: absolutely. All right. Next up, we got David Watt. That's the special guest screener. Like we said in the beginning, tried to get croakies, but, you know, had something better going on. Vaping competition, I'm not sure. So, we got Brian, anyways. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe he was playing in the 2014 Chicago uh, quilting event <laughs> that happened what? simultaneously to that GP. Do you remember that, Brad?
0: Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I just remember they're all they were all like cheerleading or gymnastics. Every this GP one was a quilting. There was a quilting. Wow.
2: What was it, like the Quilting Federation or something. Had yeah, a thing some going expedition. On. At the wow. exact same time as the Magic tournament, it was You beautiful. know
1: they went over to the Magic side, and they're like, God, nerds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
2: All right, we got Max. That is Corey's linguistic coach. And I got to say, Max has been doing really a stand-up job lately. Corey has been excellent on his linguistic skills as of late. However, yeah. his internet skills seem to be horrifically bad. Not so. great.
1: You know, whenever I go off script, I really use all the skills that Max teaches me. And, you know, I, I, I'll even prove it. I'll do it right now. <clears throat> Max, make me do word good. See?
0: <laughs> that you- was
2: impressive. Thank you.
0: Thank Not you. as yeah, impressive as out. Paul <laughs> Keh. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. You don't drink soda anymore. Sorowski. <laughs> BBD wall-staring photographer. <laughs> no, we Get like some yeah. carbonated
2: water or something, dude. We need you. You know what? I got to say, I haven't been staring into the wall as much lately, which I think has been a detriment to my life, because I've just been staring uh, into the abyss instead. I
0: knew where it was going, yeah. Way worse. Uh, way yes. worse.
1: Yeah, your guys' walls are pretty nice in there. Abyss, not as nice.
0: Yeah. It's bad. Yeah.
1: All right, anyways, next up, we got Phil, and Phil is just crushing it. Day in, day out. Comes to work early, leaves late, just always by the book, gets the checks out, gets them in at the same time, just really cleans everything up and doesn't clean anything at all. Does it all. So
0: the fuck did you just say? I don't Mm. know
2: what you just said. I I know what Phil does. Like I know Phil's role in our company, but I don't know anything that you just said. So Ah, play mad him. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Next up we got JP who has had a job change was previously our general manager now is more of a specific manager of a very important mm. task that is manguchi's timestamp finder which is <laughs> really quite a strong role and this is that we got his work cut out for him this week for sure
0: <laughs> yeah that no, honestly... i think we transitioned really quickly it's just that our pre-show went long and it was a lot of fun I yeah. enjoyed our pre-show this week. I did too.
2: I did, I did too. too. I, I did don't know too. If other, pe- yeah. other people will enjoy oh, it. Oh, they
0: will. The people that want that pay, that pay to get more of us are going to like hearing more of us talk. Yes, of course they will.
1: Yeah, this uh JP's job is really fluctuates from, you know, like 40 minutes in, 8 minutes in, you know. This is a you yeah. got to do some detective <laughs> work to find when we've lost Mangu on on some of these topics. And, yeah, then, and so
2: for, I'm just going to do a little explanation because this inside joke's been going on so long that people just might not know what it is at this point. Yeah. But yeah. at one point in time, Andrea Mangucci stated that he had to turn the podcast off because we were like 20 minutes into the episode and we still hadn't begun talking about magic yet. And so that became a running joke of we would talk about stupid non-magic things for a long enough period of time until we had lost Mangucci as a listener and then we could begin to talk about magic only after we had <laughs> lost Mengu. So now it is JP's role to find the times, the official timestamp where Menguchi has been lost, and then the actual episode begins. So beautiful. Yes.
0: All right. Next up, we got Nabasi, who is the designated mana dork. And uh, do we, we don't need to explain this one, right?
2: No. Uh, Mox. Amber.
0: Fuck that. Mm. We, we we were talking about decks with Lana Elves in them or or Gilded Goose. Uh gotta <laughs> got be one of those. Gotta be one of those. Probably one of mm. those, yeah. Yeah, it's gotta That's be one fair. of those. It could also be the reduced cost. <laughs> Does anything reduce cost? Nope. Nope. Alright, so Sultan, I am gonna say that you are Lana Elves this week. Congratulations. Mm.
1: Woo! Ooh, all right, boop, boop, next boop, boop, boop. up, we got Eric Nall, and that is the BBP Trash Man. Eric Nall has went through a very broad spectrum of life, you know, just became the most powerful being in the universe, you know, started as an actual trash can, and now, you know, lives a simple life, lives a simple good life as the BBP Trash Man, just crushing it.
2: I can't think of BBP Trash Man without thinking about Always Sunny. I just, I can't do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, next no, up, yeah. we got Gare Meldi, and that is our merch store manager. And let me just say, there's a lot of merch to be managed, and none of it sells. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah so no. great job, Gare. Yeah, it's
2: great, great. To be work. fair, maybe
0: we've sold some stuff in the last couple of weeks, but I haven't talked to our guy. So,
2: you haven't mm. talked to Gare Meldi?
0: Well, I've talked to, well, yeah, I've, I haven't talked to Gare Meldi about it. Oh,
2: so, then so we maybe, don't know? May,
0: yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll look into that this week and see if we if we got any uh, fishy bites.
3: Nice. Oh yeah.
0: Next up we got nice. Patrick who is our office party coordinator. Um, you know, we all need one. We can't have one yet, but vaccines are rolling out, so soon we might actually be able to have a party.
1: Oh my god, just fan me down. I want a party so bad. I just want to hug people again. You know what? When I go back into the real world, y'all know who I am as a person. When I see someone that even is just a mild acquaintance, I give them a hug, you know, just to say hello. I'm g- it's going to be so much more awkward now than it already is when it's like, ooh, I probably shouldn't be hugging people. But, oh, sad. Anyways, we got Filippos Galanis, and that is Brad's <laughs> soundboard operator. Insert br- 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 Please, Filippos.
0: Brad is. Right, F- 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 I don't have. F- I don't have. Felipe's. F- 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 that's F- all I can do.
1: Okay. 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 All right. Well, great work. Yeah, oh, I'm great sorry. Work. I don't. I, I. don't have any. I don't have anything recorded yet. I'm well, mm. Sorry. Mm, well, and it's not your fault. It's Felipe's fault. So. Yeah, that's
2: definitely. Yeah. That's definitely. Filippos, not, we, I mean, can, we
0: can. We can. work this week on getting some soundboard stuff. To, I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll work with you on that, Philippos.
2: All right. We got. Uh. We got Loror, and that's our CEO which is a very important position. Um, it's actually the second most important position in the BBP hierarchy just below soundboard operator. Which we we discovered that in our pre-show, but it is one of the most important roles and Loror, by all means, has done a great job. I mean, when we promoted I mean, him... Did you,
0: did, you, did you know that last week Amazon actually reached out to Loror about taking Jeff Bezos' previous position and Loror turned it down? stating and i quote i think the bbp is where i belong mm,
2: impressive yeah love to love to, love to hear that
0: very impressive which also victor's job is who is my first place trophy holder that's so, right
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is a great job right there wonderful that's, job that's like number three i mean it's i i wouldn't say it's ceo level but it's it's like a close to the top position in our company it's
0: very close yeah yeah Yeah. because as magic players part of our identity is our accomplishments even though we say it's not Mm -hmm. and so we need to see our accomplishments out there all the time or we start to have existential crisis
2: and even if we do we have existential crisis as well that looks like that's all we got for the cast and crew this week
0: yeah that's it that's all we got no one else oh god did Corey's internet go out again that's great all right so we do have <laughs> one more person it's dr unks who is our resident uh, proctologist
2: uh yeah as a release that is speaking of top positions in a company that is not near the top that is not even close to near would the top. you
0: would you describe it as close to the bottom
2: oh i would i would <laughs> certainly pulls in the comes up in the rear for sure like
0: oh god all right well i'm gonna flush this one down the toilet and say that's it for us at the bastros podcast we'll see you next week everyone bye peace